Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. This is Keith Fiveson. On this Microdose Wonderland interview, I spoke with Manesh Gurin. He's a neuroscience PhD candidate, chief research officer at Ethneotech bioscience and he's a psychedelic science content creator i had a great conversation with him about his organization up in canada and i hope you enjoy the show hey 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 i am here with manesh grin from Ethniotech Bioscience, and we're at Wonderland at uh, Wonderland Psychedelic Conference, put on by Microdose, and I'm uh, really pleased to meet you. You're doing some interesting work. You're up in Canada, right? Yes, yes. Pleasure to be talking to you. Yeah, we're based in Kelowna, BC, in Canada. Ah, okay. Well, I've never been there. I'd love to be there, especially after I got a little bit of a scoop about your organization, you're doing ketamine-assisted therapy, but you're doing it in a way that really is not just about going in and getting your treatment, having some integration, and then leaving. Can you talk about that in a little bit? Yes, definitely. So, like, one of the standard ways to use ketamine often is to treat it as a standalone pharmacological treatment. You kind of get the infusion, and then you're sent out the door within a couple hours, even. And uh, at Entheotech, we really emphasize that, you know, ketamine's antidepressant effects are best when combined with a set of holistic adjunctive interventions. Um, so in our therapy model, we have a four-week-long uh, therapy model called the Odyssey Method, where we combine intramuscular ketamine with psychotherapy, breathwork, mindful movement, and other somatic techniques. Um, and our kind of model is really emphasizing how ketamine can induce short-lasting effects, sure, without therapy, it seems, but um, what ketamine does is it boosts the neuroplasticity in parts of your brain, particularly in the prefrontal cortex, and so we're trying to leverage this neuroplasticity and use it to encode positive habits, and that's why we combine it with meditation and mindfulness and with psychotherapy. Great. You know, I wrote an article for Microdose, which was specifically around mindfulness and psychedelics and the future of healthcare. And one of the things that I'm very aware of is the real benefit of being able to go ahead and do the set, you know, set your mindset and then have the integration, but more importantly, have the activation and the long-term benefits of whether or not it's ketamine or any other psychedelic. Can you talk to that in terms of what your research is showing and what your, you know, real world examples might be? Yes, definitely. And so we, at the end of the day, when people come in and do ketamine, um, and if we're not changing their day-to-day -day life and facilitating changes in their habits and tendencies and thinking and behavior, it's not going to really last. So a lot of people who just um, you know, expect that ketamine is going to do the work for them don't really get the lasting benefits. So we really emphasize, yes, as you said, we have to come into it with a strong intention um, to work through our stuff, to address unacknowledged emotions and memories. When you have ketamine, which can be a catalyst for some insights, and then after that, you have to really find ways to encode the experience you have with ketamine and the insights and perspectives you might gain um, into lasting habits. And for that, it's essential to have a plan, a concrete plan for integration that's extended over time where you make real changes in your life. I really love that. So I love that word encode. You know, it's, uh, it sort of speaks to, um, you know, really getting it into the bones, getting it into the, you know, the, 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 yeah, the bones, the marrow, right? I mean, it's that whole idea of it's not just a chemical, it's not just the 
ketamine. It's really me being empowered to go ahead and do that. So do you have some examples? Um, we start talking about ketamine in relationship to depression. And I'm wondering your view, you're doing IV and are you doing uh, you know, lozenges or? Uh, you know? We're currently doing intramuscular. Uh, intramuscular is very similar to IV. It has similar bioavailability. Uh, it just requires a bit less uh, medical oversight to make it easier. Um, and more feasible financially. All right, so, you know, uh, people come in, they go ahead and have a, a basic uh, four-week program, you said, and they learn the integrative approach to mind, body, food, sleep, movement, somatics, all that, to go ahead and really start to get in touch with what they're all about. How do you wind up helping them on an ongoing basis as they go through the actual, you know, the actual if you will, for administration of the ketamine, and how do you help them in the integrative process of when they go home? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, uh, the ketamine experience, especially for people who are not familiar with these kinds of experiences, can be very intense and jarring. And so we made sure to provide psychoeducation prior to kind of what, how to ex what to expect in the experience and to prepare them and reduce anxiety. And then during the session, we have nurses and a therapist on, on, on hand um, to ensure, you know, they feel well secure supported and secure and the thing with ketamine at these doses usually people you know patients are relatively immobilized they're in their own journey and they're sitting there um, but we're always available to support them and engage with them if they need it and then afterwards we follow up with our patients multiple times uh, over the next few weeks uh, in between sessions and then after their last session and just to ensure that um, you know, they were integrating their experience psychologically, it didn't leave anything, it didn't unearth things that are still left unprocessed. And then again, we support them by, through group, group therapy sessions and group mindfulness, breathwork and meditation sessions. That's wonderful. So I know the medical system in Canada is very different from the medical system here in the U.S. I mean, you've got, you've got to really have a lot of money, you know, to go ahead and do ketamine sessions here in the U.S. Can you talk to that a little bit in terms of, because I know in Canada, the medical system's different and it really is available to more people, right? Yes, yes, it is, but also with ketamine, it's a, it's a bit difficult because ketamine is an off-label treatment, right? It was approved by the FDA in 1970 as anesthetic and now it's used off-label for depression, but technically it's not approved for depression by the FDA specifically. And for that reason, ins most insurance providers don't cover it. So for our program, our four-week program, including three sessions of intramuscular ketamine and the, the interventions I've, I've mentioned, um, it costs about $5,600. And um, the therapy portion of it is coverable by insurance, so a portion of, a portion of that is covered. And we're currently collecting empirical data and working with insurance providers to make it more accessible on top of that. So $5,600 is still less than what it would cost here in the United States. And then you were talking about psilocybin, right? You were talking about doing some work around that. Can you speak to that? Because I, I know the laws in Canada are different in terms of psilocybin overall than they are here in the U.S. Yes, certainly. So, like at the end of the day, you know, psilocybin is a still a scheduled substance, and so it is technically illegal. However, the the Canadian government offers a, a couple ways to uh, allow patients access to it. One is through research, um, but then the other is through something called the special access program. So, with this program, a physician can apply on a case-to-case -case basis 
to allow a patient to have access to psilocybin. And usually these are people with end-of-life distress or um, very uh, difficult to treat treatment-resistant depression. And so we recently had a patient with treatment-resistant depression accepted for psilocybin therapy. And just last week, we did our first session with them. So we were able to administer, in a psychotherapeutic context, legally, um, some psilocybin just recently under, under the regulations of, all, um, regulations of the Canadian government. And do you work with uh, at-home um, uh, therapy as well? I mean, one of the things that we just listened to on the stage, uh, whether or not it's specifically around ketamine or around psilocybin was, you know, uh, end of life, people who are dealing with, you know, uh, treatment resistant depression, you know, people who are dealing that need lozenges or in the case of psilocybin, maybe they may be looking at death. I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts about all this? and? What are you guys really looking to do as you go forward? Yeah, so right now we don't do any take-home um, type interventions, but we do realize that these are becoming more common and other companies are offering it. There is a lot of safety concerns in that area because particularly ketamine has some abuse potential. Um, there's no evidence that you know intravenous or intramuscular ketamine leads people to abuse it, but taking it home either even in the form of intranasal ketamine, such as bravado or as lozenges, it is a bit more risky. Um, and if you know patients have tricky experiences at home, it's harder to get that support. Um, so with us, we're focusing on the therapy, like the clinical model right now, and we're kind of potentially exploring these other avenues in the future. Yeah, I, it's nice to hear that. Uh, there was just a recent article uh, in uh, the Wall Street Journal talking about uh, the uh, lack of oversight with at-home therapies using you know lozenges, using uh, sublingual ketamine, and you know uh, this whole idea of uh, whether or not it's intranasal or you know I, I obviously if you're you know the, the bad people spoil it for the good people and you know you had this issue with uh, it happened with opioids as well where you had pill mills and so on and so forth so let me ask you a question when you start looking at mindfulness or some of the other somatic areas that you talk to do you see that happening with a lot of other clinics or a lot of other areas? Do you think it's unique in terms of your program? I'm just trying to understand that. Yeah, it's a great question. I think in general, if you look at ketamine clinics in North America, they don't really do that. They don't administer it in a holistic context because uh, you know, the standard way in psychiatry to administer drugs is, is a standalone treatment, and ketamine has been usually put into that box. But I think more and more companies in the space are recognizing that therapy is very helpful, if not needed, to maximize safety, uh, for one, but also efficacy and the durability of effects. So I think you know, there are a few other Canadian companies now, in addition to us, who are um, applying this ketamine-assisted psychotherapy approach, um, bringing in other interventions. Um, but you know, the nature of those interventions vary from clinic to clinic, and there's nothing that's really standard at this point. Great. So uh, I assume you've got some uh, a website, you've got some papers and or some perspectives, some point of views. How would people find out a little bit more about your organization, your clinic, and really get in touch with you to get more information, perhaps even visit? Do you take out of, out of country visitors that 
might go in for a treatment? What's that process? Yes, certainly. So uh, individuals can come into our clinic through patient, uh, sorry, physician referrals. So we take referrals from all throughout Canada, and um, I'm not entirely sure if you're able to from the United States, but it is possible to. Um, and uh, so the best way to learn more, though, is to go on our website, entheotech.ca, and there you can reach out to us, and we can see what what can be uh, what can be done. And we're also on Instagram, so you can search Entheotech on Instagram. Great, great. Well, this has uh, been very, very interesting. I, I know you've been here. You came down from Canada just for this conference. Is that right? Yes. It's been great. Uh, one, it's wonderful to be in Miami. It's a beautiful place. But two, um, this day, for example, today is the first day of the conference. It's been full, filled with amazing conversations of people doing very interesting things, um, coming at it from different angles, whether it's clinicians and researchers to VCs to just other uh, business people in the business space and, and um, in the pharmaceutical industry. It's such a rich um, set of perspectives and a lot of high-functioning people. So it's just been a great time in Miami so far. Great, great. Well, it's really interesting and wonderful to meet you. Thank you for what you're doing, for helping people, and really helping them not just with the medicine, but helping them with their lives to integrate it. That's very powerful and very much needed. We appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast, the Microdose Wonderland interviews. There's more coming up, so stay tuned. Make sure to scroll through all of our podcasts on technology, mindfulness, and psychedelics, and much, much more. Connect with me on social media platforms. Visit my website at workmindfulness.com. This is Keith Fiveson. Thank you again. See you on the next show. Take care.